0: The injustices of life. It just shouldn't be like this moment of life. The times we feel overwhelmed. The times we feel ignored. Sometimes you just need an anthem with light front man for almost my heavy metal band's twisted uh, sister Dee Snyder put it like this when he spoke about we're not going to take it with we're not going to take it, whether I was singing about my parents, my teachers, my bosses, my peers, people around me I felt it was important not to define it by actually naming names and singing. Dad or so trite and jaded. I hate my teachers too. And this song has, has a life In sporting events, at political rallies, at protests, pretty much anybody who's not taking something from somebody else, they're going to break into, we're not going to take it. All over the world. Now, the angsty rock of Twisted Sister is about as close to a psalm as Let It Go. But the sense of not being seen, of not being heard, and and needing to make some noise about it comes from a a really similar place in human experience. And the psalms model, the psalms give us access to this kind of unfiltered connection with God, even though they seem to be overstated and angry, and frankly, not the kind of prayers a good Christian shirata. Maybe because of this they've been given a technical name. Uh, uh, imprecatory Psalms. Imprecatory Psalms are those that imprecate. That's, I guess that, that's not happening, right? Can Can you use it in a sentence? Let's try it this way. Honey, I imprecated the neighbours over the back fence this morning. I just wasn't going to take it anymore. Imprecatory Psalms call for or judgment, or calamity, or curses upon one's enemies, or those perceived as the enemies of God. Psalms that are that are less rebellion, as in the twisted sister uh, genre, and, and more more like protest songs. We're going to call them shouting songs tonight, because sometimes we feel as the psalmist did. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Sometimes we need psalms that shout, psalms that are about bringing things that disturb us deeply to the attention of God, psalms that demand to be seen and heard because sometimes it feels like we are not. Let's pray. Father God, as we spend time with this dialect, this way of thinking about prayer, would you be really close to us? Holy Spirit, would you be here as comfort and peace and presence that we might not be disconnected from you even as we engage some of those things that we hear, feel deeply about? And might we see and hear you even as we are saying? And heard by you. Pray in Jesus' name. Well, nearly, nearly 20 years ago now, we, as in our family, found ourselves on the end of an immigration injustice. Some things never change. Truth be told, some of it was uh, our own fault, but it all just seemed out of proportion. Kristen had a visa under the partnership policy. Uh, once we had established that living together before marriage was not grounds for seeking a sham marriage, um, but we got the date wrong on how long the visa was for. We were only out by a year, but but when we didn't think to check your current immigration status, uh, when the time came for an emergency C-section, we got stuck. With the bill. and that didn't seem right. <laughs> I was a citizen, and so it was the child's life who was saved. And so, we, we took a stand against the DHB because we, we weren't going to take it. Did that come out? Come yeah. overall, or did I not? No. It would be fair to say that when it came to conversations with the DHB, I've had. Constructive dialogues with a rock. And it all came to a head right before Christmas. We were about to reunite with Christmas extended family, many of them would get to meet Reese for the first time. And the last thing we needed was a Christmas Grinch standing out of so called bad debt to bank. I was so mad and so like, how would I? I may have threatened defamation proceedings, about, so called bad debt was made public in any way. It was infuriating. They wouldn't listen to reason. They couldn't see how wrong they were, how unjust this was. We were unrefered. and For many of us, this is where we, we find ourselves in the face of injustice and tragedy crisis, unseen and unheard. It's only natural that we might make a a little noise, draw some attention. And in our situation, the DHB debt collector became public enemy number one. I relate to the psalmist in Psalm 10 where he says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? But I didn't have this language, only the bitterness and the growing rage, a rage that became sort of my focus in this poor woman, who to be fair, was only doing her job at the end of a chain of poor policy and even poorer communication. And in those early days, it was an issue that never left us. It was always there. This is what unresolved anger can do to us. We become victims not just of the injustice or the tragedy or the crisis, but of the deeply toxic bitterness and rage that follows. And we begin to, well, I certainly did, to justify our extreme actions against the backdrop of the deep injustice we suffer. We become courts. In, in the trap of revenge, of, of repaying people, and our actions become ambassador and, and fueled by the conflict. We have no time for Jesus' words in Matthew 5 43. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may become. That you may be sons of your father. We have no time for Paul's words in Romans 12 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you he will heat burning coals on his head. That's a metaphor. And in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil so. if There's a verse that captures what can go wrong for us, the toxicity that can take roots in us, the business that can dominate us. It's this thought that we might be overcome by evil, the very evil that we find in our door. instead. Do not be overcome by evil, In fact, we often often have no time for God in these kinds of situations. They easily become kind of walled off from other parts of our spiritual life, like private positions, because we secretly know that we are doing this one on our own. Our actions, I think, reveal our secret truth, that we are only here because somehow God Put us here. Somehow he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't see. He doesn't hear. And so we, we live out of that place of isolation. Which is why these sons are so you know? The shouting sons. The shouting will leave us of this accumulation of bitterness of rage if Andrew is a is a blocked goal that remains if it remains blocked it leads to bitterness and rage and revenge and shouting signs model to us an authenticity in, in our connection with god that relieves the burden rather than piles it on the shouting songs relieve us from the burden rage and bitterness Yes. we are seen. we are free. Well, over time though, the weight of our conflict with the DHP changed, and it wasn't just because our church secretly raised the entire amount for us. When at the beginning of the day, I saw the narration. Somehow, they managed to hide who it was from, and it just simply said, Act of God. In <laughs> the narration on the back statement, somebody had a sense of fear. In fact, it made no difference because we received a level of release from the pressure of the situation. And even though we had the money, we felt that God was calling us to do something. At the time it felt like we were being asked to to stand up for those who didn't have the resources that we did, like a law degree, and a home, and citizenship. And the more I looked at the issues, the more I became convinced this was more than a mistake, it was unlawful, it was unjust. But we could have gotten rid of the the issue with the stroke of a pen, because you could still write checks. There was something we felt called to resist. And Psalm 10 uses this this construct, this idea of the wicked man, to personify these kinds of systemic injustices. In verse two, we get introduced to the wicked man, this this, this metaphor for, uh, for what systems do. In his arrogance, the wicked man. We who are caught in the schemes he devises. This is how it's about. And it's a picture of this conniving, manipulative enemy who lies and boasts and schemes. Steve just read it it to us. You can read this full description uh, from verse 3 on. It's quite something. And this enemy is described here in San Antonio. It's on the way. On those who don't have what they need, he lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed, they collapse, they fall under his strength. And because the enemy does not truly see or truly hear his victims, he assumes that God is the same. Verse 11, he says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. This is what the wicked man, the system of injustice does. says that God does not see, that God does not hear. But God does. He does see and hear. And he opposes this enemy. See, there is something about how these stars externalize the threat that is deeply reassuring. He it's not about us. It's not about our acceptability to God or our worthiness, injustice, tragedy, crisis, strikes, regardless of our merit. And so the psalmist is able to, to move into the space of contending with the wicked man, of contending with those afflicted with justice, verse 12. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. When does the wicked man reply to God? What does he say to himself? He won't call me to account. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and you take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the families. God does see, He does heal. And through this, this seeing and this hearing, these shouting psalms, I think, unblock communion with God, communication with God, and allow instead the peace and the comfort of God to flow. Philippians 4 puts it like this. verse 6, do be anxious about anything. But in every situation, like prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Which transcends all understanding, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds across Jesus. If there's an intersection with with Kristen's message last week. Gratitude, thankfulness is in the mix here as we as we remember who God is, even as we define the enemy. It's not us. God's crazy peace is that. Has no right to exist in the face of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Peace, peace which says, despite all the evidence to the contrary, you are seen, you are heard. Well that might be the end of the story. We fought the good fight and we won. We beat the wicked man, we beat the DHP, and God's peace insulated us from the stress of dealing with the situation. We release, were relieved of the burden of rage and bitterness, released from the stress and anxiety. Except, we've lost. Before that moment of defeat, something else happened, it was more than relief of the burden of bitterness of rage. It was more than the release of responsibility that allowed uh, God's peace and comfort to enter our lives. It was a reveal. God was doing something else. But before we go, I don't want you to hear me say that, that we experience injustice or crisis or tragedy so that we will That's not the point of the story of this passage. When God reveals, he's doing a lot more than just teaching us to listen. But something happens in these shouting songs that allows God to reveal himself. For us, we live that someone was in the same situation as them, but without the advantages we had. They really personify those that we see in this passage—the wicked man going after. We gave them the money, the money the church gave. God was revealing something to us. Something about doing right being more important than being wrong right. Because so often our shouting is not right. And that's okay. And some of the songs are worse than this one than the ancients they asked God to take. It just took it easy. Right? But verse 18, Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evil do to account for his wickedness, that would not otherwise be found. In other words, deprive the unjust system of the means by which it carries out injustice. You see, the shelter signs allow the communication of our unrighteousness, our messed up way of looking at the situation. To reveal God's righteous action. We say it again. The shouting songs allow us to communicate our unrighteous intent to God in order that He might reveal His righteous action. In other words, we, we hand out our unrighteous, arm breaking intent over to God who reveals. See, God does not leave us in place. This is what these psalms offer us. Progression. Progression from the dark places. The shouting psalms are a means, not an end. I think verse 16 helps us to see this. The psalmist shifts. Something is being revealed. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish uh, from his land. You Lord, hear the desire, you it, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defend the fatherless and the oppressed so that the earthly mortals will never again destroy. Can you see the shift from verse one? Where God is absent and not listening and far away. Suddenly, God is being revealed is the one who is hearing the desire of the afflicted, who is listening to their cry because we are seen and we are heard. And this revealing I think scripture helps us to see it can it can it can take many different forms. If we follow Jesus' teaching we can see that this revealing that sometimes happens is this crazy thing that we might pray for enemies. Our unrighteous intent. Eclipsed by this righteous action, that is surprising, shocking. We can include praying for victims, acting in right ways, taking a stand against what's wrong. And the weight of the psalms is towards the other postures that we're exploring in this series as well. None of this operates in isolation. And so some of our psalms that, that sit in this in this genre kind of flip back and forth between between gratitude and ambitiousness and, and rage and remorse So Kristen talked about the roller coaster. Because that's often how it is for us, yeah. We lost the argument, We lost the case. Turned out we were right. Not right. And we didn't have the money. And they forgave the dead. Your argument is wrongly seen, but we're forgiving the dead. Took me a lot of self control to not really be right. <laughs> and in this season for us, it will be different for us than other seasons, as it will be different for you. God revealed himself as faithful and trustworthy with the physical realities of life. But more than that, he taught us something deep. He revealed something deep about how trustworthy he is. And we heard that. And we saw that in God. Because we are seen and we are heard. And an authentic engagement with God in worship and in prayer will sometimes call us into this kind of shouting. Sometimes for ourselves, sometimes for others. I think you can see this in this in Psalm 10. Both the in individual and the in corporate shouting. But God does not leave us in place to grow forth. From shouting till we lose our voice. He relieves us from the burden of rage and bitterness because we are sinning. He releases us into his peace, but the, the peace that that transcends our circumstances and whispers to us whatever you have lost, you haven't lost You we are seen, you we are heard. He reveals his right action. In spite of our sometimes unrighteous intent, so I think God would rather have this unfiltered expression of our loss and our anger than He would have our silence. God would far rather have our unfiltered emotion and our indifference. You know that the opposite of love is not hate. We hate somebody we see them yeah. sort of love is indifferent so when we bring these this kind of rawness to god he is seen and he is full he joins his voice to ours and flows unfilled justice. Tonight, you are seen, you are heard. Wherever you find yourself in life, whatever season you are in, whatever crisis or tragedy or injustice or situation you endure, you are seen and you are heard. God wants to hear from us, He wants to hear from us. Hearing takes the form of a shell. I think he's pretty happy. Oh God, we uh we thank you just for your presence, for your, for the seeds of your character that we reserve in the psalm um, that we see flowing through the scriptures. That whatever else is happening, you see us and you hear us, as distant sometimes see. We're thankful for, for what the psalms teach us about authentic communication with you and this dialect of, of learning to shout on behalf of others, ourselves that we might increasingly be aligned with what you want for the world, for the justice you want to enact, for the shalom you want to see take root in our world, for your kingdom, which has come in us. So, God, even as you shout, as we assume your despair and dissatisfaction without the humanity sometimes productive. so we want to join our voice to you. God, would you shape us that we know deeply that you see us and you hear us? Would you shape us deeply so that we might see it Let's get in the hand.